0: Thank you for tuning in to the WAM podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Good morning, and welcome to the Women and Manufacturing podcast. My name is Fran Brunel. I am the president of Accelerated Manufacturing Brokers, Inc., a company that specializes in mergers and acquisitions within the manufacturing sectors. And I am your host for today's show. So today we are welcoming to the show, Angela Thurman. Angela is the Principal Managing Director of Thurman Company, which is an organization that helps small to medium sized companies with strategic, technical, project management to help them stay aligned with their goals. They also provide contract management and supplier management services. Angela is no stranger to contract management. With 10 years at Collins Aerospace as a principal subcontracts program manager, she earned 15 performance excellence awards. Angela also has a very strong background in communications, in the communications sector, and she was responsible for negotiating a $2.5 billion contract with Nortel and also a $1 billion contract with Chile. Angela, I'm delighted to have you here. Welcome
1: to the show. Thank you, Fran. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having
0: me. So listen, introduce our audience to Thurman Company. Tell us
1: what you do. Give us a little bit of the history. Take it away. All right. Thank you. So friend, when I left Collins at the end of 2020, I took some time to evaluate what my next steps were going to be. I considered going to work for another aerospace company. Obviously, since I'm located in Houston, there's lots of opportunity here, especially around NASA. And I looked into that and decided I really liked my lifestyle of working from home and just decided that I would launch my own consulting business. And so Thurman Company is a woman-owned consulting company that focuses, as you said, on the small to medium-sized companies, particularly in manufacturing. Our niche market would be aerospace because so much of my background is in aerospace. But given my view that program management is industry agnostic we provide services to companies in all different fields we've been in existence now for almost 1 year and have grown exponentially so that's been really really good i am a certified project management professional recognized by the project management institute and my background is as a um, an electrical engineer. I have a master's degree in telecommunications management, and thus the experiences with Nortel. You and also have a legal background, don't you? I, I do. So as a part of my career in telecom, I, I had the opportunity to work with a lot of contracts. And at one point, my vice president of engineering said, uh, how would you like to go to law school? And I was in Tulsa. So I started education at the University of Tulsa Law School, where I actually had a ride scholarship. Oh, but, wow, that's impressive. Oh, well, thank you. So I, over the course of time, though, my career took me to other companies and I never actually finished the degree. I had, so I had two years but learned the, the the things that I needed to learn. Yeah. Maybe someday I'll finish it. But but for now, those
0: two years served you very well as you're in contract negotiations, both oh. in the telecom industry and in the aerospace sector that you spent so long in.
1: Yes. Yes very very well so and let's
0: dig in a little bit i'm curious you know as a project manager you're helping people through basically through change right as they're developing new programs and different things people hate change
1: <laughs> we people all are
0: change do. adverse it's it's a rare individual that that charges towards change i think like less than 3% of the population the freaks among us <laughs> and i'm one that <laughs> (laughs) charges towards change. So how do you help people overcome their resistance to change so that they can move in an appropriate way through business development?
1: So that that is a great question. We we cannot avoid change. It is going to happen. And you 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 just need to get your arms around it, document it, track it, make sure that If if this is a change in scope and you're the person that will be, or the party that will be responsible for executing the change, make sure that you have recorded it in the contract. So create an amendment to the scope of work. So what are the requirements of this change? How are you going to be compensated? What is the schedule to to execute the change? Those sorts of things. Make sure your project management plan has a change management plan. If you're a good project manager, you'll have considered that and recorded that in your project management plan.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like working on and documenting certain aspects around the program that you're trying to institute gives people a comfort level that they Mm -hmm. didn't otherwise have.
1: Is that what you're saying? Yes. Don't be surprised that change is going to happen. Be prepared. It
0: always does. (laughs) It always does. So, you know, on your website, you talk about negotiating from a position of strength, you are only the second interview that I've done where you were on the opposite side of the negotiating table from most of our listening audience who are small to medium-sized manufacturers. And so (laughs) can you speak into what you mean by negotiating from a position of strength Mm -hmm. I work with manufacturers all over the country Mm -hmm. and often if they are in contract with a Collins or Mm -hmm. a Boeing or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, often they feel like there's constant pricing pressure and they do not feel that they have any negotiating strength. Mm -hmm. What would you say
1: to that? That I agree. There is constant pricing pressure. However, let's say you are a a small to medium-sized manufacturer. You do have a position of strength because we we all know that if if you are already in the aircraft, you are an embedded supplier, the costs to that OEM to change to a, a different vendor is going to be astronomical to recertify those parts for another vendor is is the cost and the time, the process, the FAA process. Though all of those things will be considered in order to move to a new supplier. And the OEM is going to be very reluctant to do that because everything would have to be changed, even the CMM will have to be updated. And that is is going to be cost prohibitive. So keep that in mind. And then when you're negotiating, be sure that you include all of those things in the price. So incorporating this change, what will you ultimately have to do to incorporate the change that's being requested? Mm-hmm. So will you have to have new tooling? What sort of testing will be required? What will the documentation changes have to be? So it's more than just a minor thing. Make sure that you've included all of those things. And because you want the process to be fair, you want it to be equitable, for all parties. Mm-hmm. And it is in the interests of the OEM for their small to medium-sized manufacturers to stay in business. And we we want that. We want there to be fair market pricing. We want there to be small businesses in the supply chain. And so don't don't feel like you've got no bargaining power because you do.
0: Yeah, it sounds like, you know, small manufacturers, if they designated into making certain parts for an aircraft, mm-hmm. they have more negotiating power than they might think that they have mm-hmm. because of the cost of the OEM switching. Mm hmm. So I would also like to ask you, I have a a past client who worked, they had two major areas, aerospace and and medical instrument, Mm -hmm. and they were contracted with your former employer. Mm -hmm. And at one point, Collins came to them and said, hey, we want to come visit we want to look at your understand your capabilities mm-hmm. and there was a, basically a family of parts that was with another vendor and they were not happy with that vendor and mm-hmm. they wanted to ensure that my client had the appropriate capabilities and so forth they had been working with collins for 20 years or something but at a much smaller scale and so ultimately it took it took a few years but they were awarded this complete family of parts. So here's my next question. Given your background in in a position like that where you were negotiating subcontractors, how do manufacturers screw up (laughs) where the contract is being awarded to something else. Tell our listening audience what they have to look out for because yes, on one hand, they've got more negotiating power than they think they have. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's not unheard of that these OEMs will switch vendors. Mm -hmm. What
1: causes them to do so? Defective parts per million. If you're not tracking that on a monthly basis, and you're not exceptionally high. And by high, I mean on-time delivery needs to be 99.99% over a 12 month period. And that's just to get a seat at the table. Right. And your defective parts per million, it needs to be zero because quality and on-time delivery are the two most important things. And then, because if you've got that, then, then price, it becomes much more easy to talk about. But if, if you're not meeting your quality and on-time delivery metrics, then that's when any OEM will start shopping. Interesting.
0: So that just confirms. So when uh, the aerospace company came to my client, they came because they had been a customer of my client for 20 years doing smaller parts, but they came and they said two things. Your quality is outstanding and so is your on-time delivery. And because mm-hmm. of those two things, we're going to give you a shot at this other family mm-hmm. of parts. Mm-hmm just confirmation interesting so let's move on to a different topic on your website you also talk about reaping the benefits of a contract mm-hmm.
1: can you explain what you mean by that certainly so let's assume that you that you already have a contract and and from this position i'm talking about you're the purchaser So suppose that your vendor is not performing. So here, let's say you're you're looking for those types of remedies for non-performance. So, and I'm not talking about how do I get out of the contract, but how do I help my vendor step up their game? So this might be, Let's say their on-time delivery has not been stellar. What can I do to help them perform better? Can I put a resource in their factory to help them out and to just get them to improve? What kind of resource? What Do you have experience (laughs) with this? What kind of resource would an OEM
0: put into a subcontractor?
1: So maybe the contract says that if, if things are not going well, I will put a project manager in your factory. You have to provide them with office space. You have to provide them with all necessary reporting and facilities, and they will be there until you do start to perform. Until you clean up your act. You clean up your act. And yes, I ha- I do have quite a bit of experience with that. Interesting. And, and you'll have daily report outs and you'll have project plans. And yeah, and most, oddly enough, most vendors don't like that. <laughs> oh, gee, that's a surprise. Yes. <laughs> Does it work? Oh yes. Oh yes, it does work.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, it doesn't work every time, but it must work for a majority of the time otherwise they wouldn't do it.
1: Right, because right? because there's there's very focused attention on finding out what are the problems and how do we correct them.
0: Yeah so that's like the equivalent of you're in high school and your teacher is standing over your desk looking over your shoulder it is it's, nobody likes that
1: nobody yeah. likes that okay but, but there's also things like if your on-time delivery is below a certain mark i get a rebate and that becomes a financial incentive for them to improve so you might you might look through your contract to see what that is. And sometimes you don't need to invoke the remedy, but merely point out to them that the contract does include this language. And that would be sufficient for them to be more attentive.
0: So it's interesting. I would say to small and medium manufacturers listening to this, these are practices and methods used by large OEMs. Oftentimes, uh, medium manufacturers are subcontracting down to smaller manufacturers. They could also utilize some of these techniques that the big boys are using Mm -hmm. in order to keep their subcontractors in line. Could they not?
1: Yes, they absolutely could. And sometimes this is just boilerplate language that gets flowed down that you may not even be aware that it's there.
0: Interesting. I want to move on. So supply chain is a really, really hot topic. There's not a manufacturer in the country (laughs) who's not talking about it and struggling with it right now. One of the services that your firm provides is supplier management resources. Tell us what you do in that regard.
1: So one of the things that we do, and, and part of this comes from my prior experience, is to help organizations look at their supply chain and maybe you focus on your most significant suppliers. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're providing parts that are key to whatever it is you're, you're manufacturing. And we evaluate the risk to your organization that those vendors hold. So. We would look at a whole gamut of risks. Is it, is it their business processes, project management, engineering, quality, raw materials, and so forth? And through a proprietary process, we help evaluate that vendor's capabilities for manufacturing, but also their capacity. So, does their factory actually have the capacity to manufacture their current demand levels? And do they have the capacity to take on additional business if that were to to come in? So what are they doing to forecast? What are they doing to flow from sales to manufacturing the demand? that they have and what their their future looks like what are they doing as far as their logistics all of those things and and helping our customers identify what their risks are and then to mitigate those risks and
0: i assume that you mitigate those risks by having alternatives
1: for your client we don't we don't necessarily help the client select suppliers but we would help them like work through action items to to mitigate certain risks yes yeah
0: it's very interesting so working in manufacturing MA, good quality smart buyers of manufacturers always look at the supplier issues mm-hmm. the concentration the risk they're go- they're running through a process like you're doing th- for your clients and Mm -hmm. That's something that I would say is, as people begin to think about retirement and transitioning out, you know, often manufacturers will say to me, yes, yeah, so I, I'm not talking about my suppliers. They don't want to, they're like, this is my secret. This, Well, what you yes. need to understand <laughs> is that every buyer with half a brain is going to want to talk to you about your suppliers mm-hmm. and understand what their risks are in mm-hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I also want to ask you, there's all different types of manufacturers listening to the podcast. Mm -hmm. So talk to us, share with us, who is your ideal client? What is Mm -hmm. the profile of your ideal client?
1: So we actually have an avatar of our ideal client. Oh, I love it. (laughs) So our our ideal and this is it's a very niche sort of industry but but given my background our ideal client is a small to medium-sized manufacturer in the aerospace industry because it's very highly regulated and and that brings a whole host of issues that require project management and supply chain management, risk management. Because those skills are not always available to the the small and medium-sized manufacturers, that's why they would want a consultant like Thurman Company. So, aerospace, small to medium sized business. What about geographic? Geography doesn't matter. Our team works remotely and we're scattered throughout the US and we even have some team members that are international. And so it's like, I have my laptop ready to travel. Awesome. We can, we can help anyone.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we are starting to run out of time. And so, Angela, we appreciate you being with us. Tell our listeners if they want to learn more about your services, how do they reach out to you?
1: So our website is ThurmanCo.com, T-H-U-R-M-A-N-C-O.com. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. We'd just be happy to help anyone we can.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us. I know that our audience is going to find, especially the discussions surrounding contract negotiation, <laughs> incredibly helpful. And we very much appreciate your time and your expertise.
1: Oh, it's been my pleasure, Fran. Thank you.
0: Hey, if you're a woman in manufacturing or in an industry that is servicing the manufacturing community and you would like to be on the show, please reach out to me, Francis Brunel on LinkedIn, or just call my office, 908 908- Three eight seven one thousand. I would also like to encourage our listening audience to visit Whampodcast.com where you can hear all of our shows and other shows brought to you by the Jacket Media Company. Thanks for watching today. We appreciate your time. Have a great day, everybody.
1: Thank you for joining the Wham Podcast, where women
0: empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.